Bibles at this time and turn to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 2. And to the wonderful story of the gospel that Paul writes, not only in terms of our own receipt again to the Lord, that which is found in the peace that Christ is for us, but also then in the peace that is worked among us together. And so seeing the fullness of that gift of peace that we celebrate in Advent, taking that time to recognize what that is and the fuller sense of what it is than what the world settles for, and we find all that here in Paul's words in Ephesians 2. And so let's hear these words. We'll start our reading in verse 1, and we'll take for our text this evening verses 11 through 18. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, and raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might show the immeasurable riches of His grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus." For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands, remember that you were at that time separated from Christ alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances, that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens." But you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's seek his blessing in that word in prayer. Let's all pray. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for this word that you have provided for us. The word made flesh who dwelt among us and the reality of what that word has accomplished in this word of, of gospel that Paul writes, one that captivated him so, one that speaks both then to Jew and Gentile, one that speaks to us today of the wonder of the peace found in Christ and in him alone. 
And so, Father, may my words as I lead us through this text, Father, may they be your words. May they speak truth to our hearts. Father, may they be received as the same. And that, Lord, as we hear your word and are made mindful of that gift that we have received, would you make us all the more duly thankful? For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. children of God called to be saints, we hear a lot about peace at Christmas, not just in Advent wreaths, but again, give yourself, even in listening to the Christmas carols that are on all of the time, there is a great call and desire to know peace. Let there be peace on earth and goodwill to men. And it's truly a great longing if we think about it. In fact, it is that longing and desire of our hearts that we would see reconciliation, that we would see renewal, that we would see people come to to saving faith in Jesus Christ, that they would be made right, be made at peace with God. And then we start thinking about the world around us and the brokenness for which there needs to be peace. As we consider wars waging all around the world, the strife in Ukraine, the conflict among Israelis and Palestinians, even the tensions that ever rise in the Far East. Real and lasting peace would be amazing. That We would never have to think about war again and loved ones away and losses endured and casualties of good men and good women had. That there would be no more of such a thing. And yet, when we consider the peace of Christmas and the gift of the Savior, it seems that as awesome as that peace would be, and again, we long for it, Maranatha, Lord Jesus, come quickly. We want to know that restoration and look ahead to it. But in some ways, in the way that we talk about peace, we seem to be willing to settle for less than what's promised of the stuff of those Christmas carols of some kind of peace on earth or peace in families or peace among brothers that is just something we need to have for a time because of the time of year, because of what's going on, as opposed to what we have received. It sounds like, even amongst people in the churches that are speaking of peace, sounds more like beauty pageant fair than than a desire for something real, a desire for something better something lasting, something greater, something that is rooted in a grace alone, by faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. Because that's the peace the world needs now. Peace between man and God. Peace, goodwill toward men upon whom His favor rests. That's the stuff that we celebrate. That's what we hold to even in the midst of conflict and brokenness and sorrow. We have peace. Because we have more than just a concept, we have a person. But are we giving voice to that? A peace at Christmas? Or it's it's simply a have a Merry Christmas, have a happy holiday? Don't we have more to say? of how peace has been positioned near to us in Jesus Christ, how it is found only and holy in Him. Are we about the preaching of peace? 
And again, more than just dealing with each other or tolerating each other, but, but a peace that is rooted and firmly founded in Jesus. A lasting peace for the now and forever because it is the one between us and a holy God. Is that the stuff of our peace? Because if it is, then we begin preaching that which belongs to a prince of peace of indeed a true and lasting peace for the now and forever in relationship with a holy God who makes us right with Him through the gift that's been given. A gift given to people like us. The most unworthy of recipients. The last ones that would be thought of as being given one like Jesus. And yet that's the wonder that is ours. Because in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, we receive the gift and the fullness of peace. And that peace is highlighted here for us in Ephesians 2. As we consider then a peace positioned in verses 11 through 13, a peace personified in verses 14 through 16, and then in that peace which we must ultimately preach in verses 17 through 18. But maybe that sounds strange when we talk about peace as though it's positioned like some kind of chess piece in some cosmic conflict. And yet, in a sense, that's exactly what it is. That for that plan of redemption that had been promised there in Genesis 3 to take place, movement has to happen. We see it throughout the narrative of of all of Rome needing to be moved around for a census to be taken. For Mary and Joseph to be moved to the place of Bethlehem, according to the prophecy of Micah 5. We see that movement and that positioning all through the Christmas narrative. And it's no different when we consider our peace. And yet in dealing with peace, we understand that that position between man and God is one of a great chasm because of sin. That in that sin, we are nowhere near God. That such sin cannot abide in the holy presence of the Almighty. And so if we're going to talk about the position of peace, we have to talk about that position first. That our lives, apart from God, are positioned only in woe and death. That is where we would be found. So children may be playing another game, like sorry or something, and you have to move those pieces physically, and, and you have to position it just so. That's our place. That if we're going to finish that game, understanding an analogy, you're in jail and there are no cards to get out. Separated from God. And yet it's worse than that because it's not imprisoned as though we long to be out. We're separate sides, we're different colors, we're different teams. That it is what we are. We're enemies. We're at enmity with God in the living death that is ours in sin. Look again at verse 1 of Ephesians 2. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. This was your life. My life outside of Christ is one in hatred with God, hatred with His people, hatred of His Word, following the course of the world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. 
which speaks to us of the need of a world that needs to hear about peace. Because all they know in sin is disobedience. And we have a heart for it. Why? Verse 3, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, the fullness of enmity, like the rest of mankind. That in this possession of peace that is ours, that's what we forget. I needed peace to be given to me because I was positioned for anything but that. I have no claim to peace. I have no hope of peace. I had none of that except it was extended to me. Unless one came near to me and positioned himself near to me. Like the rest of mankind. And so what Paul does next in that way is level the position. That there was no one within all of this that was better or worse. That's what sin and death are. You're either a sinner or you're not. You're dead or you're not. There it is. And just because you claimed a different inheritance or different promises didn't change the fact. Verse 11, therefore, remember, y'all remember. So the first reference is to whom? You Gentiles in outward flesh. That at one time, you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision. That's what you were. That's what you lived. In no way set apart, nothing cut off in terms of uncleanness from you. That was it. That's your life. But it wasn't just them. You Jews in outward faith called that by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. For all of you people taking confidence in those things, taking a a false confidence in the promises, in that circumcision, in that baptism, in that life, in that membership in the church, Because it wasn't outward. So yes, position the Gentiles were just being honest. We're enemies of God. But now Paul is saying what? So many of you Jews who have been given such a glorious inheritance in the promise now are living for something outward. And he's already dressed it. Romans 2. For one is a, no one is a Jew who is merely one outwardly, nor is circumcision outward and physical. But a Jew, a real Jew, is one inwardly, and circumcision is a matter of the heart. By the Spirit, not by the letter, his praise is not from man, but from God. You all have a problem. That's where Paul goes. So don't revel in your life as an enemy, and don't fake it either. This isn't just something outward. And so that comes to us in understanding where are we positioned, church members? Where are we? Are we remaining in our sin and rebellion too? An outward show, 
but inwardly far from him, positioned outside of him. Galatians 6.5, for neither circumcision counts for anything, nor circumcision, but what? But a new creation. A new position. A new space and place. A new reality. And it's why he comes back in verse 12 to say, remember your position. Remember that it's not about you. Yes, your sin is about you. That's why you're where you are, but you can't get yourself out. The Gentiles had no desire to. The Jews, you can't do it that way either. Remember that you all at that time were separated from Christ. You all were sent away in Adam from the presence of a holy God in Genesis 3. You all, with my people, were exiled and sent away from my presence in your unrighteousness. All of you, exiled, far from me, in the position of your sin and rebellion. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, from the true Israel, from the space among that real people. Because as Paul writes in Colossians 1.21, And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. That's why I claim a people and you don't live for me. And your hearts are far from me and your lives show the same. And strangers to the covenants of promise. And here now is that move to say the Jews should have known better. Don't you remember what you had? Romans 9, Paul writes, They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the worship, and the promises. And yet, it didn't lead them to him in a position closer. It, It kept, for whatever reason, in their pride and arrogance, moving them away from him. And that position then is defined then in those simple words in the end of that verse having no hope and without God in the world. You have no future and you had no presence. Present. And that word should affect us. That word should shape us, certainly in a thankfulness for what we have received in Christ. I have hope. We talked about it last week. I'm not without him, but I am, I am with him. And if I am with him, then, then he is for me, even as I am called to be for him. But if that's where I'm left, if, that, if there's nothing else, if that's my position and and there's no way to get out of it, and, and there's no promise, or there's no way, there's, there's no procedure to get out of it, no roadmap. But we know the way, and we know what it is to possess peace. And that's the travesty when, when we close our mouths, because 
that's what I was. That's what you were. And that's the beauty, young people, in this text of hearing word. That, that's what you were. Because the Lord, in even considering that people distant from Him, sent away from Him, at enmity with Him, different positions in every way, the Lord says, I will position my peace among them. I will move my peace and all of its vulnerability there, knowing what I will work. And how does he do that? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, John 1. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus says, I will go. I will be part of that way of redemption. I will position myself that I may be their peace. And for God so loved the world that he gave that one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Because as verse 4 says what? But God being rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us. The only reason. The only reason he possessions his son and positions his peace in that way. Not because of anything you've done. Not because of anything you are doing. Because of rich mercy and great love. So that our position now is different. Because that makes all the difference. Verse 13, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You were once far off. Galatians 4, formerly when you did not know God, you were enslaved to those that by nature are not God's. And so we have to confess that that is what I was. That in our presentation of the gospel to others, we have to share that. I know your position because it was mine. But now in his peace, I have been repositioned. I've been brought near to a holy God. In everywhere near to the Almighty. That by His positioned peace, we are provided an extravagant grace. Romans 3, but now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, though the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. Again, hear that plainly, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and the most beautiful hand, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption of the glory of God. Your repositioning took the greatest payment that could be given. justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward, who placed in front of you 
that when you draw near to God, there's someone here. So again, you're putting your armor on that special someone, guys, of course, in all holiness and room for Jesus, but he's there. That's how I come near to the Father. Not in and of myself, I'm ruined. But I come through his mediation. No longer far off, but in the peace of being brought near. No longer covered in my sin which separates me, but welcomed home, covered in the blood and righteousness of Jesus. New position. Not because of anything I've done, but because of a peace provided in the blood and righteousness of Christ. That position of peace is what we call out to the world with. Hey, you know what? Get better and make your life a little bit more, you know, normal, at least according to us, and then you can find a space and position among... No way. No, we call them to a peace that is ours and must be ours alone, in Christ alone. He's the reason we come. He's the blessing that is ours of nearness to the Father. And so it must be ours in Christ alone who is the only full personification of that peace. And that in the second place because He is that message. Not us and now what we've become, but in what He is and who He is as we are found in Him. And there's no other peace to be had. It's the frustrating thing when you talk to people in the world about peace and they limit it just to things of the creation or, or just of their own experience or just of a world context. And those things are important. They're certainly not unimportant. But in terms of first importance, There's no other peace to be had other than in the one who emptied himself and took up our flesh, who lived righteously in every way for us and offered himself wholly and only as the complete once-for-all atoning sacrifice for sins. That's the foundation of peace. That's the only way of it. And it's the power then when we keep hearing over and over again from Isaiah 9 in the Christmas season, the wonder of the one who is sent for us. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And so there is there in beauty that both and. Lord, may your kingdom come here. But also let us know more fully the wonder of the kingdom to come. And the peace then that is a part not only here of what you are making, but but of what has been made between us. Because as Paul writes in verse 14, for he himself is our peace. So children, what we can say to other people is that our peace is a person. Our peace is Jesus. 
Not circumstances, not possessions, not the situation in the world, not our ease, not our prosperity, not our lack of conflict. He himself is our peace. Not just mine, not just yours, ours. This is what we share. And it is that peace on that vertical plane that now impacts every bit of those horizontal relationships. But that is first. He's the only peace and all of the peace. In Him alone can it be said that we have any possession of peace. It's founded in Him or it is no peace at all. And that was the problem in the Old Testament, right? They proclaim peace, peace when there is no peace. And even for us again, even in the life of the church, we can settle for a peace that is what? Oh, well, we get along. That's not peace. That's not reconciliation. That's not Christ. And so please do not settle for less in this Christmas season than what is promised. Even as we live that out together as one body in the personification of his peace, which should point to him and his glory alone. And there's the switch here too, right? That Christ is that personification, but He's in our flesh at the right hand of the throne of God. But we're here. And so His love, His mercy, His peace should be personified in us. Those who are found in Him, not having a righteousness of our own. And so Paul here then shows forth this beautiful chorus, this anthem of all that is ours in the person of our peace in Jesus Christ. That's how he continues in verse 14. First, ours is the unity of peace, who has made us both one. Jew and Gentile, those distinctions are gone. I give you one people. Now the only distinction is those who who follow me and those who don't. The elect and the reprobate, and though we don't know it, he does. That is the only distinction left, not of us, but of Him. But in ours, in Him, is a unity of peace. Ours together is the access to peace and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility. So now there's reference here, Jew and Gentile. Hey, Gentiles, you got to stay in the courtyard. You can't come any closer to the promises. No, 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 that wall is destroyed. In Christ, that veil will be ripped. It's torn in half. But now we come. And in his flesh now, the dividing wall of hostility between God and man is now gone. Here is my body given for you for a full forgiveness of all of your sins. Here is my blood shed for you for the full forgiveness of all of your sins that you might be right with God. That there might be peace. Ours is the righteousness of peace. Verse 15, by abolishing the law of commands expressed in ordinances. I have not come to abolish the law, but I've come to fulfill it. It's found in Christ, a law that still slays the unbeliever. But now for us becomes our rule of righteousness all of our days. Ours together is the identity of peace, that he might create in himself one new man in the place of the two, so making peace. So now, not only do we have peace with the Father, but we have real and lasting and true peace that we might enjoy together because of what we share in our Savior. 
which then removes any other way we might separate ourselves. Not on the lines of blood family or economy or interest or hobby or any such thing. Because we are one in Christ. For ours is the reconciliation of peace. Verse 16, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross. We can't reconcile our own books. But Christ is our reconciliation. Christ is our peace. Through the sacrifice that he makes. Through the offering that has been given. That we might share with him the victory of that same peace. Thereby killing the hostility. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's the peace. That is what has been personified for us and in the person and work of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That is the peace in our flesh that dwells at the right hand of the throne of heaven. That's the peace that passes all understanding that guards our hearts and minds because it's guarded in Christ Jesus. So that that peace personified would work in us the wonder of fulfilling that call to then personify His peace. And maybe that seems strange. But yet if we take the name Christian, we are saying we are followers of Christ. If that is who and what we are, then people should see Christ in us. And they should hear Christ from us. And they should see an example of life that says in every way, Christ. Or as Paul writes in Colossians 3, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing each other in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And so it is that peace positioned and personified that calls us brothers and sisters to that trust and hope in Him by way of repentance and faith. And so if you don't know this peace, you're still struggling with that that division seemingly, or I'm not on the same page as the word, that there's still besetting sin in my life, peace can only be found in Christ. You're not going to be able to solve it in any other way but Christ. No, believe and find all your life in His name. But Christian, if we have this way, we spoke last week of hope, we speak this way of peace, if this is what is ours, then that is what we proclaim. That as Christ has come proclaiming peace and proclaiming news of happiness, making no news of blessing, is it that which we have not only heard and are glad for, but that which we peace and preach and give ourselves to as well. And that in the last place, because Jesus came preaching the good news of the kingdom, 
The kingdom is at hand. The real peace is at hand. Repent and believe. That's his call. Jesus, our peace, has come to preach his peace to us and his way to it. Because he's that way. I'm the way, the truth, the life. John 14, 6. No one comes to the Father except through me. If that's the way that peace is, if that's the only position of it, then I have to come in the person of Christ. And I need to make him known. And Jesus shows us that way. Because he comes preaching. He doesn't stop preaching that gospel of peace. He preaches that gospel of the kingdom. And how does he do it? Tight-fistedly? Selectively? No, as the older translations of our confession record, promiscuously. Verse 17, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. This was his message. And it's the fulfillment of the promise in Isaiah 57. For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place and also with those who are contrite and humble in spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite. For I will not continually accuse, nor will I be, always be angry. For then the spirits would grow faint before me, even the souls that I have made. Because of their wicked covetousness, I was angry. I struck them, I hid and was angry. But they kept turning back to their own ways. I have seen their ways, but I will heal them. I will lead them and repay them with comfort, creating for their mourners the fruit of the lips. Peace, peace to the far and near, says the Lord, and hear it, I will heal them. I will heal them. How can we bring peace on earth? By proclaiming the gospel of peace. How do we work peace on this earth? By speaking the name that is above every name, which is the only way, truth, and life to peace. His name is Jesus, proclaiming peace. And that's our confession, Canon 2.5. Moreover, it is the promise of the gospel that whoever believes in Christ crucified shall not perish but have eternal life. This promise, together with the command to repent and believe, ought to be announced and declared without differentiation or discrimination to all nations and all peoples to whom God in His good pleasure sends the gospel. And that's everybody. The gospel is the way of peace. So let's not settle at Christmas for a message that proclaims anything less than Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. Quit, quit proclaiming a peace that isn't peace. That was the problem with the prophets. Jeremiah 6, they have healed the wound of my people, lightly saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Stop. It isn't just about doing a little bit better or being a little bit nicer or getting along a little bit better. It's Christ. 
The one of Colossians 1, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and visible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell And through him to make peace. To reconcile to himself all things, whether in heaven or on earth, making peace by the blood of the cross. If we have received this gift of peace in Christ, then we have no other recourse but to proclaim his message of real peace. Because how will they call on him whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? When are we going to open our mouths if we have real peace? Because that peace only comes through Christ. For through Him, verse 18. Because if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. And so therefore, verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making His appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. So that we might have peace. A real peace which is our only access in one spirit by faith to the Father. We both have access. Not will have, it's ours. Because through him, Romans 5, 2, we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We have access to the Father and that is our peace. The peace of Christ. Which is the best news that we could have ever received. Peace. The good news received of peace is being reconciled to the Father for His glory. And what does this speak of Christmas? Everything. Because what is the message that the angels bring? And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy which will be for all peoples. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign for you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth Peace among those with whom he is pleased. What a gift. What a gift. What a peace is ours in him. A peace we often forfeit. He is our peace. Our God has positioned and personified and preached that peace for us in the Prince of Peace given at Christmas. And so come, let us adore Him. Let us receive Him.
Let us praise him. Let us proclaim him. And in that way, let there be peace on earth. Amen. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth of your word, the truth of the comfort that is ours in your Son, Jesus. We thank you that he is our peace. That all that has come between us, Father, is removed for the sake of Christ our Lord. And that as we approach your throne of grace, even tonight we come in the mediation and the covering and the peace of your Son. And so, Father, may we never take it for granted. May we never minimize it. May we never claim to have been even a small part of that peacemaking. But rather, the blessing of the peacemakers is that we are your children. And so, Father, may we make peace in the beauty of personifying Christ and sharing grace and the promise of the gospel and our hope everlasting in him. Lord, make this peace known among us. Make it known in the world, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.